I want us to look at a question tonight that I think has relevance. I think there are at least three things that I want us to look at and ask ourselves about and give contemplation to as we go through this week. It's a question that I think is an interesting question in some respects. Jesus asked it, and it's not a difficult question. It's just, it sounds odd, but really it isn't. If you have your Bible, open it to John chapter 5. We're going to be looking at this text tonight, so go ahead and turn to John chapter 5. And let's read together verses 1 through 9. After there was a feast of the Jews, and after this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which in Hebrew was called Bethesda having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Now, the question that Jesus asks is this, do you want to be made well? What kind of a question is that? I mean, this man has been, had this infirmity. We're not told what it is, but it appears it had something to do with being able to get up, his mobility, his walking, um, because he said, you know, every time the water, when it's time to get down into this water where I could be healed, somebody beats me to it. And so it, it seemed like he needed help uh, to get down there. There was no one to help him. Um, 38 years, depending on somebody else to get around. Can you imagine what that would be like? You're in such a condition that you are dependent on someone else. And then somebody comes up to you and says, do you want to be made well? Well, of course I want to be made well. Don't you think that's the obvious answer? And do you know that he doesn't really even answer the question? But here's what I want you to think about. Not everybody wants to be made well. Uh, That's hard for us to comprehend, but that is the case. I may have told you this before. I can't remember, but when I was in college, there was... Uh, there was a guy who was blind. His name was Doug Smith. Maybe some of you may remember Doug if you were there at the same time. Doug was blind, and um, he memorized the campus. You know, when he first came there, he walked off the steps from the auditorium to Gano and, and had all the steps figured out. And, boy, he could just go right along. I mean, he had his his stick to to, you know, guide himself, but he didn't need anybody to take him anywhere. He mapped it out, memorized the steps, and and he was good to go. 
after a couple years, uh, Doug, I think, was maybe a junior, and um, they had another young man come in, and he too was blind. He was a freshman. And so Doug said, I'm going to teach him around campus. I'm going to show him around. And uh, it was wintertime, I remember one time. And, uh, you know, we're all freezing. The wind's blowing. Everybody, it's cold. And there's Doug and um, his friend. They had toboggans on, and they just pulled them all the way down over their face. <laughs> and we're walking around. They were, the, they were the only warm ones on campus the whole, whole time. But uh, the other man's name was Anthony. It just escaped me. But, you know, Doug and Anthony were, were blind. Well, Doug graduated, and I was friends with him, and I became friends with Anthony, and, and uh, we were talking one day, and Anthony said, my doctors have just informed me that there is a surgery that can be done for me that will give my sight back. He lost his sight when he was about one or two years old, I can't quite remember. He had been able to see for a time in his life, but he lost it, and, and he has just been told that there is something that they can do to reverse his blindness? And he said, I don't want to do it. That was beyond comprehension to me. What do you mean you don't want to do it? You don't want to see? And he said, I have become accustomed to this life. Uh, I'm comfortable. It scares me to consider what life would be like if I could see. And so he chose not to have that surgery. He didn't want to be made well. You know, that just boggles my mind. But here's a man who's been in an invalid condition or in a firm condition for 38 years. And Jesus says, do you want to be made well? I want to look at three things in that question, and then the lesson will be yours. And and here are the three things. First of all, the, the idea of do you want... Nobody, and we're going to make the parallel between physical illness and spiritual illness. That's, that's the, the, the contrast that we're going to be making tonight. Do you want to be made well? Do you want? You know, it's hard for me to consider the thought or to think about that there are people who don't want to be spiritually right with God. Living a life of sin, being a servant of Satan, missing out on heaven, choosing to um, refuse Jesus in in spite of what Jesus has done for him, it it boggles my mind that there are people that say, I don't choose any of that for myself. I I don't want it. But if your salvation belongs to those who want it, as much, you know, parents love their children. And as much as a parent loves their children and wants the best for them, some things they can't want for their children. Their children have to want it for themselves. You may want your children to be a straight-A student, but unless that child wants that, it'll never happen. As much as you want it for them, you can't make, that child has to want it himself. And the same thing is true with salvation. We want salvation for other people. You may have family members, you may have friends, neighbors, co-workers, and you want so desperately for those people to be saved. 
That's a great desire. But at the same time, you have to understand that that decision is up to them. They have to want it. God is good. He offers salvation to whosoever wills. Revelation 22 and verse 17. And there will be a day, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, where we stand before God and give account of ourselves for the things that we've done in the body, whether good or bad. Someday we have to answer. Um, and nobody will answer for us. Have you ever heard of somebody doing the right thing for the wrong reasons? Well, if I get baptized, that guy might hire me. If I get baptized, that girl might marry me. If I get baptized, my mom and dad will get off my back. You see, those are right actions, being baptized into Christ, but it's not for the right motive. You have to want it. You have to be a seeker of God. And so the first question is, do you want it? Not everybody does. And so I understand why Jesus asked the question. In fact, if you have your Bible, open it to Acts chapter 17. Keep your place in John 5, but look at Acts chapter 17. It was the custom of the Apostle Paul to go in and and preach in the synagogues to people who were already familiar with God, and he brings this message of Jesus. And as um, he came to Thessalonica, there was a synagogue of the Jews. Look at verse 2. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas, but the Jews who were not persuaded... Look what Paul did. He went to these people and he said, listen, let's open the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, and I want to reason with you, and I want to explain, and I want to demonstrate. And in spite of the reasoning, the explaining, and the demonstration of truth, some people said, it's not for me. I don't believe it. And, and they weren't saved. Not everybody will respond because not everybody wants what the gospel offers. Um, <clears throat> second thing, do you want? That's number one. The second thing is, do you want to be made well? How do we get well? Is it a decision that you make and, and it's, it's up to you? All right. Yeah. I want this. So I've got to, I've got to, you know, pull myself up by the bootstraps and, and get this thing. Notice the passive voice. Be made well. Nobody can fix themselves. Else, why did Jesus come in the first place? We're dependent on someone to save us. We, Don't save ourselves. I know you can turn to Acts 2.40, save yourselves from this crooked and perverse generation. Really, if you have another translation other than the King James, they miss kind of the voice on that. It's be saved. 
from this crooked and perverse generation. We're passive in salvation. It was introduced not by my good works, but by God's grace. Titus chapter 3 uh, tells us that it was in the good pleasure of God, not by any works of righteousness that we had done. God didn't look in heaven and say, wow, those poor folks, they, they have messed up so royally. They, their sinners were alienated from each other. But look at how hard they're trying. Look at the good they're doing. You know, because of that, I think I'll send my son. That's not what went through God's head, through his mind. God, because of his good pleasure and mercy, sent his son, not by any works of righteousness which we had done, but by his grace, he saved us. The whole idea of salvation was initiated by God without any human um, merit involved at all. You turn to Romans chapter 5, and again, you see how that man, uh, verses 6 through 8, while we were helpless, while we were without strength, while we were sinners, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. We don't save ourselves. We respond to the salvation that God gives us. You know, if you were drowning in the ocean and you're just, you know, you've already done one, two, and you're about to put up the third finger and drown, if somebody throws you a life preserver and you hold on and you get pulled, uh, you know, on this boat and you're saved, do you talk about how you saved yourself? Oh, do you remember that day I was in the ocean and I saved myself? You wouldn't talk like that. You'd talk about how you were saved, how you were hopeless, how you were lost and doomed. And if it were not for the grace of somebody coming along, you would have been lost. That's the way it works with us. Nobody earns it. Nobody meritoriously can stand before God and say, look at what I've done. If we're saved, if we're made well, it's because we're made well, not because we made ourselves well. And here's the third thing that I want you to see tonight <clears throat> is, do you want to be made well? There is, there's being well and there's being sick. And there's a difference and again, the thought of, why wouldn't you want to be well? Well, there's a lot going for in the short term. There's a lot going for living unhealthy lives. When you say no to God, you get to say yes to yourself. Yes to fleshly lusts that Paul says war against your soul. You're a slave to sin, but you're free from righteousness. But that sin... Well, didn't Moses himself say that sin is pleasurable? At least for a season it is. And so there are people who will trade, you know, do, do I do the right? Well, we know the same thing. We go through the same dilemma with food. Do I, do I eat that piece of cake that would really be good right now, but it wouldn't be good for me in the long run? 
Or do we deny ourselves the cake for a better goal out, you know, a little further out? We deal with that all the time. And there are people dealing with that same dilemma on a spiritual level every day of their lives. Do I deny myself the fun that I could be having and live for Jesus? Or do I live for Jesus and deny myself some of these short-term joys? Do you want to be made well? Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18 says, Come let us reason together. Think about this. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they can be made white uh, like wool. He tells us, think. Which is better? Would you turn away from heaven? Would you turn away from salvation? Would you reject being made well when it's so freely available? Why stay in your sin if salvation is available? That's the question that's being asked. And, and why stay sick physically when you can be made well? Why be dependent on someone else when you can be independent? The Bible tells us also in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Do, do we want life or death? It's a choice we have to make. Do you want to be made well? That's what Jesus asked this man a long time ago. And because of this man's faith, that very day... He was made well. Jesus told him to rise up. I would have liked to have seen that. I always have in my mind's eye, don't don't you try to play out things that you you haven't ever seen before. You you wonder how things just kind of came down. Uh, If you were standing there watching, what what took place? Did Did he stumble because he hadn't walked in so long? Did he just get up? you know, and, and strength regained, and, and he has his balance and coordination and everything. Uh, can you imagine the expression on his face? Can you imagine the expression of those who were there, who witnessed? I know that guy. He's been sick a long time. And Jesus does this. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there to see, to witness the power of God? But Jesus, when he asked that question, he got a positive response from this man. Yeah, I want to be made well. And as great as that is, we're talking about physical stuff in this story. Let's get down to serious stuff. Do you want to be made well? I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about your spirit. Do you want to be made well? Well, what's it going to cost me? What, uh, you know, what do I have to do? What are the sacrifices I'll have to make? There are a lot of questions that we can ask, but really those questions shouldn't matter if we see the desperation of our situation. We're lost. We're sick. We're dying. And Jesus offers life. Who would say no to that? Good question. We're going to sing an invitation song in just a minute. And if you're not right with God, in essence, what you're doing is you're answering the question that Jesus asked. Do you want to be made well? 
and you're saying, no, not today, maybe someday, but not today. I, I hope that you'll respond after thinking about it, reasoning in your mind what's at stake. I hope you'll respond favorably. Jesus offers to make you well. Won't you respond to his invitation tonight as we stand together and sing?